quite as, uh, um, how do I put it? We're not quite as pressed for time with Bible class as we are with worship. And I like that. I like, I like having uh, Bible class after worship service. It makes all those folks who don't stay feel guilty. Or at least I think that's what it's supposed to do. I asked Doug uh, when he asked me to speak. I, uh, you know, I asked him. I said, "What have you been preaching and teaching on?" And he said, "Exodus." He said, "Just finished a series on Exodus." And I thought, and I texted him back. I said, "Should I wow him with Leviticus?" <laughs> you know, Leviticus—that's the book where all of the times that reading through the Bible dies right there in the middle of Leviticus. <laughs> Just, but I'm going to tell you, it's it's really a great book on Jesus, and you got to look at that. One of these days, maybe uh, we'll have a chance to do some of that. But if I, I said instead, why don't I just talk about Jesus? Because I do think, as a church of Christ, we need to spend a lot of time on Christ and in Christ got a series that I do that I stole from another preacher called A Church Like Christ. Go through the book of Luke and look at all the things Jesus did and say, okay, how can we as a church do that? Now, you know, we can't be miraculous doing things, but, but when Jesus fed 5,000, can we feed hungry people? You know, when, when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, can we, can we look for, in, in just kind of a thing like we did today, this morning, but we're going to do something a little different. If you have your Bibles, open to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I'm glad that, uh, well, there, there are some of you that didn't recognize me, and that's probably a good thing, but I've, you know, I've. I hear the camera puts on 10 pounds, COVID put on 30. <laughs> I, was a, I was a Marine for four years, and when I was in the Marine Corps, I had a really, you know, made some really close friends. Not many years ago, I was in Walmart picking up a prescription, and this guy came up, and he's standing just about this close to me, and I'm trying to write my check, and I'm looking at him, and he looks at me, and he goes, are you Brian McGonigal? I said, yes. He said, well, you're a little thicker than I remember. <laughs> he was one of those guys I was in the Marine Corps with. Had a great time with him. It's funny who your friends are. It's funny who we listen to. And that's, that's really what I want to talk about this morning in a Bible class is who do we listen to? And please feel free to yell out and, and talk because... Is as I look through Scripture, I find most of the time Paul was reasoning with others. And that tells me that they were talking and Paul was talking and they were reasoning from the Scriptures and they were looking at things and sharing with one another not only what God says but their lives and how it pertains to their lives. So this morning I, I want to begin our Bible class with who do we Listen to. 
We've just gone through a year and a half of crisis in our country. A year and a half of a pandemic where, you know, I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know how I feel. I, I don't know uh, whether we should have shut down all of our businesses or done like South Dakota and just said, we'll let the thing go and where the Lord takes it, it'll take it. Um, I don't know if we should have listened to Dr. Fauci on the television set or the epidemiologists who have shared that they think that this thing is not what the CDC thinks it is. I know there are a number of folks that I love who've died from COVID. What voices do we listen to? I don't know about you, but for me it's confusing. I'm confused as when they say you wear a mask and you're safe or you don't need to wear a mask and you're safe or you need three masks or you need a face shield and a mask. Shirley and I have been wanting to go to the Philippines. That's that's a part of our passion. She has five grandkids there. And you know, any, if you're a grandparent, you know that the grandkids are where it's at, right? So we, we really want to go. But the voices there, they say wear a face shield and a mask, and it's rampant there. And if you're my age, if you're over 60, you can't even leave the house. You can't go outside in the yard. They're that strict. So we don't want to go to be a part of that. I, I kind of like being outdoors. So what voices? Do we listen to? Verse 2 of Mark chapter 9 says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter and James and John, brought them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. You know, I was always think about Peter and James and John. These guys always spent a lot of time with Jesus. I can't imagine having, having the ability to just walk with him. See what he saw. Hear what he said. See how he reacted to people. And as Peter and James and John get to go with him, this is a, a special trip up the mountain, and they go up to the top and and they're there and and all of a sudden I, I can just imagine being a part of that group and they're talking about all the other guys and how unholy they are and you know you know how we do at church we talk about everybody and everybody talks about us and I, I can see them saying you know you know those Pharisees they're just really strict and I'm glad I'm not one of them and you know as they're walking up Jesus I can see him smiling <laughs> thinking you have no idea to get up there and and 
They've been following their best friend. And all of a sudden, they're sitting there and he begins to change in appearance. It says he's transfigured. He, you know, I, I don't believe in the glow-in-the-dark Jesus. You know, like you see in the manger scenes and things like that. But, but Jesus begins to glow. And his clothes become so white that there's... Mark says no launderer could get them that white. And as they're looking and Jesus changes, I can imagine what Peter and James and John are saying. What's going on? Is he dying? Is he going back to heaven? He says he's the Son of God. Is, is, is he leaving us? Is, what's going on? And they turn and all of a sudden there's two other people talking with Jesus. And it's, and it's Moses and it's Elijah. And, and I'm going to tell you, I don't know how Peter, James, and John knew Moses and Elijah. They'd never seen them. I doubt that there were portraits in the uh, synagogue. This is Moses and this is Elijah. Because you couldn't make images of people. So how'd they know? The only way I think they could have known was perhaps surmising from the conversation that Jesus was having as he's talking to the great lawgiver, Moses. And the great prophet, Elijah. And as Jesus is talking to them, I can see Peter and James and John getting more and more and more excited, thinking, oh man, are we getting to be around these folks? And, and you, you remember how in Bible class, Moses was revered. I mean, all of the, all of the Jews loved Moses. I mean, they, if, if they had cheerleaders, they'd be saying, Moses, Moses, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can, you know. And Elijah. Wow. What a prophet. Man, defeating all those prophets of Baal and all that stuff. They're, they're looking and they're saying, wow, our best friend Jesus knows Moses and Elijah. Reminds me of a story that I'm not going to tell. <laughs> because it's too long. But as this conversation takes place, I can see Peter and James and John kind of hiding in the bushes because that's where I would be. I wouldn't want to be where they could see me. I, I, I was one of those kids in Bible class. I didn't want to be asked any questions because you're expected to know the answer, right? I mean, I feel sorry for kids like Brad, preacher's kids. They're supposed to know all the Bible answers, aren't you? Everybody expects that. I mean, my poor kids, my daughter Summer left. She, <laughs> she's probably heard every sermon I've ever preached, and she can give most of them better than I can. But they're expected to know stuff. And I wonder if Peter and James and John would have been able to recite the Ten Commandments. Had Moses turned to them and said, Okay, commandment number four. I wonder 
about the excitement that they felt when they found their best friend, Jesus, knew Moses and Elijah. I can imagine the elation that came when they found that Moses and Elijah knew their best friend, Jesus. Peter is the kind of guy I sometimes am. Verse 7, well, verse 6, well, back up, verse 5. Peter says, Rabbi, it's good to be here. Let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Let's make three places of worship. And, and, and Peter puts his best friend, Jesus, on the same plane as Moses and Elijah. We're, we're going to do one for each of you. And then something else happened. A cloud rolls in. You, you can read along. You, you can hear the story. Cloud rolls in, and a voice comes out of the cloud. Look at this in verse 7. And it says, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Who for centuries had they been listening to? They'd been listening to the law given by Moses. I just finished a class in uh, with the Filipinos. We, I do Bible class at 8 o'clock Saturday night on FaceTime with the Philippine church because it's 10 o'clock in the morning there on Sunday. So I'm teaching the Bible class and I just got through teaching the book of Galatians. We were looking at uh, the relationship of the Christian and the law, that's a, that's a rich study, by the way, uh, especially for us who tend to be sometimes legalistic or who sometimes tend to bind things on people that God doesn't bind. But as they see the lawgiver Moses, Peter is odd thinking, he, he and my buddy Jesus are just alike. Then Elijah, that great prophet, the one who brought the word of God to the people. That's what prophets do. See, priests take the things of man and offer them to God. They offer the sacrifices. But prophets brought the word of God and gave it to the people. I believe those things are noble. I, I, I'm glad that I have been blessed to do what I do. As that happened, God decides, I'm going to correct Peter. Has God ever decided he's going to correct you? Sure. Yeah, he has me too. How did he correct you? Did you want to share it or you just want to? Uh-huh. 
Okay. In my life, same thing. I mean, there's so many things that God had to change about me. Not, you know, I, I think God uses all of those things to change us, but yes. Or anybody else want to share how God's corrected you one time or the other? God can use both our joys, our victories, and our tragedies. I'm glad my kids didn't stay for Bible class because I'm going to tell you a story that's too painful for my daughter to hear. I was preaching. I did nine and a half years in Kermit, Texas. Everywhere I moved to preach, I thought, I'll be here till I die. That was my plan. I was in Eunice until we had a year-end service here at Taylor Street, and the elders from Kermit came and heard me preach. And they met me in one of these back rooms and said, uh, we need you to come to Kermit. And I ended up moving there. But while I was there, I became very busy working for the church. I mean, when you live in Kermit, you don't go to the hospital in Kermit. You go to the hospital in Odessa and Midland. And I'd spend at least two days a week going to the hospitals over there. I'd spent, uh, the, since I was a veteran, uh, Marine Corps, uh, the county judge came and asked me if I would be the uh, veteran service officer for the county. So. I spent a couple of days a week in that office doing the veteran service, and I, I figure this is an outreach, and, and I can help the veterans, and I can, I can meet people who aren't church. It's hard for a preacher to meet people who aren't church people, just so you know. That's not an easy thing to do, so you got to plan those things. And, and so I got busy with that, and I got busy with all of these things, and what it, that busyness ended up doing was it caused my wife to look elsewhere. And I ended up leaving Kermit as a divorced man. Never figured I would ever be in a pulpit again. But as I went through that, I thought, what is God trying to say to me? First thing I thought, what did I do? And I'm going to tell you, there is no divorce that just one party's totally innocent and the other one's totally guilty, just so you know that. I wasn't the one that had an affair. She did. But my lack of attention, my lack of being there and being the husband that I needed to be, because I was doing, quote, unquote, God's work. Not caused, but it enabled what happened. I also, from the time I was preaching in Eunice, I, I went back to school, became a licensed clinical counselor. I was a hospice chaplain here in Hobbs. I, our hospice was Family Services Hospice. It was right over across from where Pizza Mill is now, and I was really hoping Pizza Mill was open on Sunday, but they're not. 
But anyway, I, I, I did a lot of counseling. I helped a lot of people through grief. I certified as a grief counselor. And, and you know, just all of this stuff keeps you really, really busy. And sometimes, just like the lesson this morning, we, we forget what's important to take care of the immediate. These folks in Mark chapter 9, God sees Peter and James and John with Jesus saying, our best friend is on the same level as these two. And God says, this is my son. Listen to him. We spent a year and a half listening to our TVs and national news media tell us it's too dangerous to go to church. Many of us stayed home, isolated, and found ourselves depressed. Because we missed, and we didn't really understand why or how, but we missed the fellowship. Some of us did church online. Oh, I'm telling you. I loved listening. I thought, why in the world would somebody come listen to me when they can hear, hear folks like Rick Atchley or a guy like Rex Boyles online. And I listened to those guys. Great lessons, great sermons, better than I could ever conceive to preach. And I'm thinking, this is going to change the face of church. This is going to change the way we fellowship. Then when I got involved in, in the church in the Philippines and, and how we, we, we went online after the Bible class and we, we could actually worship sing and, and, and pray with and, and have a sermon from the same people that we were, we've become involved with in the Philippines. That's Saturday night, of course, and I think God knows it's Sunday somewhere. So, you know, that, that's a good thing. And I think we as a country, and perhaps we as a church, Forgot what God told Peter and James and John. This is my son. Listen to him. What does it mean to listen to Jesus? If you're, if you're there at Mark chapter 9, go over to the very next book, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Jesus is talking to the people around him, guys who were following him, and he says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon them, I'll show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation upon the rock, and a flood rose, the torrent burst against that house, and could not shake it, because it had been well built. 
But the one who's heard and has not acted accordingly is like the man who built his house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house is great. And I bet you can sing the song, can't you? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Yeah. We can sing the song. But when we put that lesson to the song with what Jesus said, he said, he who comes to me and hears my words and look at this and acts upon them. When you and I not only turn off that national media, but we turn on listening to Jesus, we hear his words, and he says we have to do something with it. Too many times, too many times I see Christians, and I've been a Christian, who sits in a Bible class and listens to the Word of God and leaves that place and goes, oh man, that guy had a great sermon, and do nothing about it. It changes me not one iota. And sometimes I think we come to church thinking this is a great hour of entertainment, a great hour for us to look at God's Word, and then when we leave it just kind of fades away. As we get in the car, we're thinking, now, can I go to Pizza Mill for lunch? <laughs> Jesus says, you want to build your house on a solid foundation. Then what you need to do is take up residence in my word. Go one more book over. Go with me to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. What does it mean to listen to Jesus? Jesus was, verse 31 of John 8, Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you hear the word abide, what do you hear? Anybody? kind of a churchy word and it's Bible word we don't use the word abide much stay with okay what else do what stand fast live in where I abide is I take up residence if you were to ask Brian where he abides I'm going to say 1612 West Ridge Road Carlsbad New Mexico that's where that's where I live Jesus said, if you live in my word, Brad's a preacher's boy. If you live in my word, then you're truly my disciples. If you listen to Jesus, if you spend time listening to Jesus, you become a disciple. What's a disciple? It's a student. Then he said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What does the truth set us free from? Corruption? Okay. Easy question. What's the opposite of truth? Lie. You know, when you and I know the truth, we don't have to believe a lie. Has anybody ever been lied to? Absolutely. I think we've all been lied to at one, one point or another. How does it feel when you're lied to? 
and when you believe it. I have a sibling, older sibling, who for some reason would rather tell you a lie than the truth. And most of the time he believes his own lies. And he can't understand why you don't believe them. But who in Scripture is called the father of lies? Satan. Did he tell good lies? Did God really say you can't eat of that tree? When he lies to us, he lies in such a way that it's a believable lie. You eat that fruit, and it's going to taste wonderful. God just doesn't want you to have it. You know what I bet that fruit was? Now, people say apple. I don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us. I bet it was a lemon. Lemons look good, don't they? They smell good. They taste terrible. I can imagine Adam biting into that lemon, and we've given sometimes, we gave some to one of our grandkids, and he, he oh, I'm telling you. You'll know the truth when you abide in God's Word. When you take up residence there. And the truth will set you free. We're free to believe God. We're free to believe whatever God said. We're free to know that what God says is going to be good for us. God never told us things that were bad for us. He never, he never once commanded a man to sin. He's always loved and had our best interest at heart. So what happens when I listen to Jesus? I build my house on a solid foundation. And I'm set free from lies. Only have a couple more minutes. We'll go one more place. Go, we're in John. Go over to ch chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 48. I'll start in 47. Jesus says, And if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings as one who judges him, the word I spoke is what will judge him on the last day. Did you see what he said? The word I spoke is what will judge you on the last day. When I was a senior in high school, I had a teacher named Mrs. Clark. Mrs. Clark was a member at Sunset Church of Christ where I was uh, going to church at that time. And, and Mrs. Clark had some sort of dementia. I remember one time in, 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 in she was my senior English teacher, and in that class, she she was going to give a quiz, and I had to borrow a pencil, and she she called me out, and said, "Brian, you don't have 
your tools. A workman cannot work without his tools. Go stand in the hall. Well, the hallway was kind of like the back of this. It was all glass. And I went out there and stood in the hall. And she looked out there and she said, Brian, what are you doing in the hall? You're late to class. Go get a pass. <laughs> That's how it was with Mrs. Clark. I went and got a pass. The day of our senior, our, our final exam, in my senior English class, I went up to the desk and, and she was sitting there. I said, Mrs. Clark, you certainly look lovely today. And she smiled and said, thank you, Brian. I said, is that the answer key to the test? And she said, yes. I said, may I have it? She said, sure. Guess what I made? A hundred. If I didn't make a hundred, whose fault was it? She gave me the answers. When you and I stand at judgment in front of Jesus and Father God, and he says, do you know the answers? I gave them to you. The word I spoke is what will judge you on the last day. Why should I listen to Jesus? Number one, I'm going to have a life that's built on a rock. Number two, he's my best friend. And God said that his words are more weighty than Moses and Elijah. His words will set me free from believing lies. And finally, I'll be able to stand on the last day because every word that Jesus said is for my good. Let's pray together. Father God, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for this time we've spent together looking into your word. We're, we're thankful that you have given us all we need for life and godliness. And Father, we're thankful that you've let us be your people. Give us a real hunger and thirst to abide in your word. Help us to truly be your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. God bless.